stop. Come back inside. Have a drink. It'd be that easy, wow. yeah, just to, to come inside and have a drink. Yeah. Go back to everything. And yeah. Fine, huh? Yeah. This isn't how we're supposed to live. Mm. You know what? Since we want to be all preach like, why don't you tell us how to live, huh? Why don't you let us know what, exactly what we need to do? So, uh, it's not supposed to happen. It's not supposed to be like this! Jesus is the only way. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. I am Heath Lambert. My guest this evening. I always say evening. <laughs> I mean, it is evening, but maybe not when people are listening to it. I feel like I've said this before, too. Anyway, Chris and Shannon, my brother and sister, are here. I had to put the band back together because, against all odds, somehow, with the infinite of randomness of everything streaming, we're returning to the Josiah David Warren cinematic universe. <laughs> we previously were all together on an episode on his film Seven Days Away and had a real good time. I still think it's one of, one of my best episodes laughs wise and somehow i've managed to get another one <laughs> i mean he's pretty prolific but still <laughs> you would think of all the Very filmmakers prolific. only one way from 2014 which i believe is the year either before or the year after seven days away i think it's yeah it's one year after i believe so he hasn't learned much <laughs> in the year <laughs> look only i'm gonna preface this by saying, and I probably said this on the last episode, but let me read the last time we talked about this guy. But let me reiterate. I'm sure, look, I, I looked around. I did some creeping. He's got a lovely wife, a number of adorable children. They've been married for f four years and they have three kids. So do the math on that. <laughs> super Christian, you know. But super, super adorable kids. Cute wife. I'm sure he is very, very nice. So let me, <laughs> in case he's listening, let me reiterate I'm sure you're a decent human being. Probably not a fun hang, but, you know, probably a good guy. A nice guy. That said, he still has no business being in front of or behind the camera. Because he's not good at either one. No. And if you, if you don't think, when I got done watching this, that I watched another one of his movies and two episodes of his television show. <laughs> I guess he has a TV show. Um... <laughs> You're crazy, because I did. I guess the TV show is slightly better than the movies, but I watched another movie called, was it Golden Mind or something? Yeah, I kind of yeah. looked into it when like I was that. looking through his IMDb stuff. I'm, I'm almost curious to watch Run, the one that he did with Stephen Baldwin. Just because, or, <laughs> I mean, look, Stephen, yeah, Stephen, Stephen Baldwin will be in your movie. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> He's not Stephen doing anything easy, this yeah. weekend if you're making a movie. I'm I'm just curious if it is better or worse than Gargoyles. Gargoyles? Man. Yeah, he was he was <laughs> in a movie that was an episode of the show. Oh, Stephen Baldwin's appearance on this program. Oh. Yeah, that's tough. It could go either way. It could be better or worse. I don't know. <laughs> oh, anyway. So, yeah. Josiah David Warren. <laughs> we appreciate you kind of <laughs> you've given us content i don't know what else to say <laughs> without being mean i i well i don't want to be mean i don't want to be no i don't want to make personal no, attacks beyond what i already have <laughs> I just, 
I, I'd be okay if I never saw his name in the credits of a movie I was watching again. Can I say, is that too mean? No, that seems perfectly accurate and fine. <laughs> and I'm, I was so shocked when this came, when it popped up. And I was like, that guy looks familiar. Oh, no. <laughs> like, what are, the, what are the chances of the millions of things streaming? Like, literally millions, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, unless he's hired someone else to do the editing, I have two is my limit. Mm-hmm. Man, let me tell you what. <laughs> I have three full pages of notes for this movie. Not because anything interesting is happening, but because... There's so many scenes. This entire movie is edited like it was a Jason Bourne fight scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every I know, I... scene is 15 seconds long, and then we cut to the next thing. And then it's 15 seconds, and then we cut to the next thing. Yeah, <laughs> There's so I, many. I made... The way I did my notes was I for every scene, when a new scene started, I put a bullet point and started... And I went back in at the end and counted my bullet points. There are 86 scenes in this movie. Wow. I imagine that he, like, boy, he got his money's worth when he hired an editor. <laughs> he must have just walked into the editing bay and he's like, how many cuts do you have? He's like, I don't know. What do you mean? He's like, I want all of them. <laughs> I'm paying you by the... Six scenes and it's a 96-minute mo- movie. Do your math. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, I want all of the cuts. <laughs> if there's no limit, I'm not paying you by the cut. Give me all the cuts. I, I don't know. I always got the feeling that that's just how he thought movies were made. He would just film for 10 seconds and then be like, okay, cut. We'll do the next one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also because every, I mean, I tell you what was not edited down was the screenplay because there are so many scenes of zero consequence <laughs> and characters of zero consequence in this film. Oh, yeah, if you like took bench out kid? every single scene, yeah, every scene with, with Dog Kid, every scene with Tim the Basketball Guy, <laughs> the movie would not be affected in any way. Not None whatsoever. Don't know why they're there. Uh, he's still on his, what I'm, what I'm trying to emote, I have to touch my face mode, just like in the other movie. <laughs> he doesn't, like, he just, like, he does not know what to do with his hands, so he has to, like, touch his forehead or like like he just he's constantly touching his own face because he doesn't know what else to do mm-hmm. anyway but i mean we had a lot of notes here so let's get going <laughs> uh in this movie he plays paul he's a drummer kind of <laughs> i mean you'll never actually see him drum but <laughs> well, he does but it's like i mean it's like the five seconds after he picks up the sticks and sits behind the kit and then they cut away to the next scene yeah, but even what we hear, it's not like he's like, like I would be shocked to learn that he actually plays the drums. <laughs> I think it's just oh, you know, whatever you can teach me in the, the next ending. thirty seconds before we roll. Not to spoil the ending at the beginning, but I can also tell you that the girl playing the his second love interest does not play the violin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, was, I wasn't even paying attention to her <laughs> by that point. No, the final shot of the movie, I just I laughed out loud because it's her playing the violin and she's like she's barely gripping the bow they're not even touching the strings i mean yeah. <laughs> so bad anyway sorry uh, no. well speaking of, yeah that's kathleen who we will see randomly before they have any interaction we will see her mm-hmm. randomly just walking around the quad at the college talking to people like oh don't be late for bible study bye next scene <laughs> And oh, last night was so amazing. So many people got saved by Christ. Bye. Like just, <laughs> we're just meeting her in the middle of random conversations with her friend, all of which are about church and God. Who, I mean, he is the only way. So, 
Paul and his dad are sitting around and he's like, oh, I got to get on mom's Christmas present. There are two, this is a Christmas movie. There's two Christmases in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> Though there's no sense of time passage. No, I was so confused as to what day and year it was. Like, I thought Christmas Eve lasted for a week <laughs> at one point in this movie before I realized a whole year had passed. Yeah, at one point it's a Christmas Eve. They pointedly say it's Christmas Eve. And then at the end we see Kathleen. I assumed she was taking the Christmas tree down because it's a week after Christmas. No, she's putting the Christmas tree back up because it's been a year since then. <laughs> what? <laughs> but Christmas is coming, I guess. But Dad's like, it's still pretty far away. You don't need to worry about your mom's Christmas present. Plus, all Mom wants for Christmas from you is for you to serve God. Not Bomba socks or something. That's a nice gift. Like, that's just cheapskate shit. Like, what do you even do? Like, in her stocking, there's just a card that says, Serving God. <laughs> like, that's going to just make her holiday? I don't know how that works. And his parents are like, hey, maybe you should start a Bible study at your school. And he's like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm a loser enough already, thanks. Bye. And he walks out of the scene, which just started 15 seconds ago. So he's driving. There's a girl on the side of the road with a flat tire. This is Melanie. This is the... I mean, it does, is Kathleen a love interest, really? They seem like just, like, friends. Uh, that's fair. I'm, but it seems I, like... I mean, maybe not, but there doesn't... I mean, I hope not. She can do better. I mean, look. <laughs> he's, not, that he, not that he's, like, a hideous... He's a fine-looking guy. He's, you know, whatever. But he's clearly a loser who does not have his head on straight. And this girl, this girl is very, very pretty, and she can do better. Kathleen, I Yeah. So... And I don't know. Anyway, but this is Melanie. Uh, she's got a flat tire, which he helps her with. And she says, so if I ever have a problem, I could just call you. Here's my phone number. That's not how that works. I mean, obviously, she's hitting on him and right over his head. But even still, if I, I just became your on-call handyman because I stopped to help you fix a tire? I don't fucking think so. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You cannot have my I phone I love number. this scene. I had so many notes on this scene because, A... I love the fact that they cut away to a different scene so that they don't have to display the fact that their writer director star doesn't know how to change a tire because he goes, okay, looks like you got everything you need in here and starts pulling stuff out. Cut away to what is it to the a random shot of the girls discussing the, the Bible meeting before that all so many people got saved and they cut back to him. Okay. Your tires all fixed, putting everything back in the trunk. <laughs> Do we even see a flat tire? No. They, no. like they don't, the camera doesn't get that low. So they it was just, forward. no, flat <laughs> I'm not flattening a tire for this movie. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'll have to pump it back up. And then my other thing that made me laugh so hard in this scene was when she's like, it's like, oh yeah, I can call you anytime. Right. And she's like, oh, sh-. he's like, oh sure. She hands him his phone and he holds his phone. <laughs> like he has never seen a cell phone in his life. He's like, um, uh, uh, nah. yeah, there. And hands it back to her. <laughs> so awkward and just like he was lost completely. Yeah, and he's play acting like he's putting his number into her phone, but it's like, uh, mm, uh, mm, 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 like one finger, like pushing, like, yeah. And she just eyes him the whole time like he is the manliest man that ever manned. And yeah, and immediately becomes obsessed with him. Oh, she's just to a point. See, and this is more the same shit like in the other movie. We're just suddenly, we're getting married, I guess. Like this, just instantly, this man is her boyfriend. She has decided. Yep. He doesn't get a say in the matter. <laughs> just like in the last of this guy's movies where it was like, we're really good friends. We're going to get married, right? Okay, I guess. <laughs> like, out of nowhere after I throw apples at you. 
as, as yeah, he, everyone he might remember. Didn't get assaulted with fruit at any point in this movie. No, so but there are weird. apples. There is a, there is. He's got a real thing with apples. Because <laughs> there are two instances of apples popping up in this movie too, just not being thrown in oh his my head. God. Yeah. And here is a great example of what I was talking about with the you could take out the Tim scenes because mm-hmm. there's just right after this there's a scene of him playing basketball or meeting Tim for basketball and telling him the story. Oh, I changed this girl's tire. Blah blah blah. The very next scene is him sitting with his parents telling him, oh, I met this girl and I changed her tire. Mm-hmm. So it's the same scene, just with other people. You could have just left it out. Well, I would note, he tells Tim, I helped this girl, I saw this girl on the side of the road, I helped her change her tire. And then Tim asks him, did you help her? Yes, motherfucker, <laughs> what did I just say? Did I not just say I, I, I stopped and helped her? What do you mean? But Tim looks like, he looks a lot like Jesse Williams. From he's yeah. in Cabin in the Woods and he's on a shit ton of Grey's, like 300 episodes of Grey's Anatomy. He looks a lot like him. And I will say a better actor. <laughs> I mean, not the bar is set very high. Better actor than Jesse Williams? Rough no, shots fired. Than our main star of the movie. <laughs> oh, ev- oh, everyone is. <laughs> yeah, the bar is not high, but I w- I maintain that if if maybe the guy that played Tim had been our main star. Maybe this would have been a little better of a movie. <laughs> no, that's not how our man's eye works. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'll tell you, because it's going to come up, I made note and wrote down some of my favorite horrible lines because there are some really I have so many lines, lines of notes that are just quotes, for, of especially things <laughs> Melanie says. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. So speaking of Melanie, she, he's sitting at home on his bed. He's always sitting on his bed with his dog. Just, that's <laughs> all he does, no matter where he lives. And his phone rings, he answers it, it's Melanie, asking him out for a coffee date. And he's like, yeah, I suppose. Goes and meets her for coffee. And then she's like, hey, I'm on my way to dance practice, you should come and watch me. I don't know, that's a little weird. (laughs) Is this the thing you need help with? I don't understand. (laughs) I mean, I guess that's a cutesy kind of, I don't know. I don't know how I would feel if a girl that I just met, like, come watch me, (laughs) come to my dance practice. I guess it's her, like, trying to bring me into her world and, like, but it's also kind of weird no sort of time context at all because they she calls him says hey you want to go coffee to dude to the coffee date. she says hey you should watch i know what you're about to say to the dance class well no and it's worse than that because he's sitting there and melanie's mom is there sitting next to him watching her dance and she, oh, yeah. she says yeah. to him oh you must be paul melanie talks about you all the time what the fuck are you talking about they met yesterday <laughs> They have known each other less than 24 hours. Do you mean she walked in the door from getting her tire changed and has not stopped talking about this man <laughs> I would believe until that, you arrived here? Honestly. I, yeah, it's not actually that far-fetched, but <laughs> that's, a, that, that's red flag number one yeah. on Melanie. If you, you're meeting this girl's mother 24 hours after you've met her one time, <laughs> where she just assumed you're going to help her from now on, talk to you into coming to dance class, and you learn that she has been talking about you nonstop? No, sir. <laughs> Time to excuse yeah, yourself. Very, the very next scene is just red flags aplenty. Because they're sitting in the... Because he gets at the dance thing, class, if you can call it that, it's just her dancing in front of a mirror. And if, if you, you can, can call, call that it dancing. dancing. She just <laughs> in front of a mirror. 
just but, like at a like strip a mall dance studio. <laughs> at that point, I was like, "This isn't even a red flag, sir. This is like a bright red flashing light with a klaxon <laughs> sounding in the background." Like, no. Yeah, it's not a dance class. There is no teacher. There are no other students. It's just her watching herself dance in a full-length mirror. <laughs> wild, wild stuff. But that's the thing is, I think because, and this might as well be called homeschool the movie, among other things, because we won't stop. We will not stop talking about homeschooling. But I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and just guess that our friend Josiah David Warren was homeschooled. Yep. And therefore does not know how social interactions work <laughs> and it's very evident in the other movie as well but at least that movie had stakes like this man has been kidnapped by drug lords he might die his mom is psychic so is this mom we'll get to it but this movie has zero stakes right yeah because by the time he's jumping ahead by the time he is homeless all he has to do is call his parents mm -hmm. and he does not for reasons I cannot imagine. Have they completely cut him off? We'll get to it. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> the chain of events. But yeah, then they're sitting, uh, it's the next day or whatever. I don't know if they're at the restaurant or I don't know where they are. But well, they're sitting around with her friend. She introduces them to her friends and she's like, wasn't I so pretty dancing? Tell me how pretty I am. <laughs> like this girl. Her, uh, this movie puts forward the idea that this girl her her main problem is that she's an atheist and her parents are atheists <laughs> no her problem is that she's a conceited attention-seeking <laughs> lunatic <laughs> with daddy issues with yes. yeah i suppose so <laughs> but she's constantly bragging about things you just don't brag about like my oh my parents love each other so much as if to say like way more than your parents love you <laughs> each other like <laughs> and some of it is absolute bullshit because at one point she's like oh i went this is in Texas, okay? And she's like, oh, she's looking at his homework, which he's bad at. And she's like, I can help you with that. My high school's number one in the country for that. In Texas? The fuck it is. <laughs> it's number one in telling people they can't use the word gay and that dinosaurs aren't real. That's what you're number one at, Texas. Get the fuck out of here. No, there's no Texas, there's no high school in Texas that's number one at anything. Except maybe football. That's about it. But she, yeah, she brags all the time. <laughs> and if this guy knew better, if this guy had gotten out of the house and went to high school and, like, met girls before, he wouldn't be so... He doesn't even seem to like her. He seems to just put up with her. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't tell her to fuck off. <laughs> He's just like, I guess I'm your boyfriend now, which means nothing. Yeah. Because they will never kiss. They barely hug. <laughs> we will come to learn, at the very least, at the four-month mark, they have not slept together yet. And I think well beyond that, because we're talking about a year and a half that <laughs> this movie covers. I'm all over the place. I'm getting way ahead of myself, but there's a lot. And there's a lot here. So um, at, at no point does he say to anybody, oh, you know, I can't leave her. I guess I love her. He never says, I love you to mm -mm. her. Nothing. It's it's just, yeah, it's just, eh, she's my girlfriend, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm just at her beck and call and bowing to her peer pressure at all times, because... I don't know. I got yeah. nothing else going on. Like, <laughs> is this literally the first girl aside from your mother who you have met? And so you're just like ensorcelled. I don't understand. But so he meet, yeah, he meets her friends, Michael, Gina, and Steven. And she's like, hey, everybody, meet my new boyfriend. And he's like, okay. <laughs> he doesn't, you know, no recognition of like, that's a weird thing to say. We met two days ago and we have not had a conversation about that. But okay. And all of her friends are like, 
Oh, all right, I guess. This is the new boyfriend. What happened to the last boyfriend? And he tells them he's homeschooled, and they make fun of him, which is not nice or cool. I'm not gonna, there are a lot of reasons to homeschool your kids. I'm not knocking the concept of homeschooling. This family, however, <laughs> I can guess at their reasons. It's not because, <laughs> you know, oh, your kid has, you know, mental health issues and going to school was aggravating them, so home is better. Or they were being bullied every day. Or any number of reasons, valid reasons to homeschool someone. <laughs> you know, your school not having prayer in it anymore is not a valid reason to homeschool. <laughs> Your school not teaching about Noah's Ark is not a reason to homeschool. That's uh, bad. Well, and as someone who was homeschooled her entire life. For which reasons? reasons. <laughs> yeah, I, this was a interesting movie. Because, yeah, like you said, it really pushes the homeschool thing. like, And it comes up so much later every person he meets is homeschool <laughs> other than melanie's melanie and her friends somehow everyone he meets is homeschool yes yeah, yeah i'm homeschool too oh, i'm homeschool too it's like what and he goes to what lone star university is that a real thing i don't think maybe so. who knows <laughs> well that's the thing but also how is he not as this kid who is very clearly homeschooled and sheltered for christian reasons and whose mother parents and mother in particular are so obsessed like it's be a christian it's fine but she takes it to <laughs> a level man how did he not get sent to a christian university and cut all this cut all this out and not have to worry about it yeah and maybe they couldn't afford it because those places ain't cheap but <laughs> he's driving with melanie and she's like trying to take it hold his hand and he won't hold her hand and she's like, yeah. let me hold your hand, damn it. <laughs> You're trying to grab, like, forcibly trying to hold his hand. And he's like, uh, I'm, uh, I'm driving. I need both my hands to drive. No, you don't. <laughs> like, he just doesn't, he doesn't want this girl to even touch him. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, I mean, he's a good little Christian boy, so who, who knows what's going to be next? You're holding hands. <laughs> what's this girl going to expect? Mm -hmm. But then that's the point where you should be like, you're not a normal person. Be like, you're not the girl for me. Our values do not match up. You should find a guy who wants to hold your hand and look at you. And I should find a girl who, you know, isn't full of herself. Who distance from me. Yes. Talk about Jesus. What else does she say? She says, everybody, everybody wants to be my boyfriend. Which is the most conceited thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> everybody wants to be my boyfriend. Okay. He's like, well, then who's your boyfriend now? She's like, you. I don't, I don't, I could not take seriously someone who said that like unironically said that to my face i not only would you not be my girlfriend i just i don't know if i could carry on a conversation with you because that's an insane <laughs> thing to say everybody wants to be my wife uh, he tells his parents he gets woken up every sunday morning by his mother calling him to ask him if he's well i suppose once he moves out i'm jumping ahead again never mind it's very important it's it's very, very important he goes to church every Sunday. <laughs> and even our parents, who were very Christian, if we had to miss, a, miss church one Sunday, that wasn't the end of the world. Whatever. Like, we went most of the time, but it wasn't like, <laughs> no, you're coming or you don't live, like you're disowned, I don't know, <laughs> which is what this feels like. But he's eating with his parents. He's like, everyone looks down on me for being homeschooled. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I just wrote down that line. But I don't remember what the next, I don't remember, even remember what their response was. But... And then, yeah, cut to the next scene. We're sitting in the restaurant. Melanie's on Facebook. And she's like, oh, I just, I just, I'm just sitting here 
find a new add a new friend because it's it's very important to me let's just say uh i want the world to know how popular i am because he's like why do you need so many friends for i don't have any friends <laughs> so yeah she's yeah she's something else and then she says my parents want to have dinner with us saturday okay and he says he goes you can you can see the ellipses in his voice because he says i have plans <laughs> like, the pause he has between those words where he's desperately trying to think of anything to not it again this is your quote-unquote girlfriend you've already met the mom what but he is so desperate to think of anything to not have to go have dinner with her and her family and he can't think of anything so he gets stuck going also, he can't tell her no on anything for some reason. And there's more bragging. They're sitting around dinner and she's like, oh, my father's a very successful businessman. Okay. <laughs> All right. But yeah, her family is rich. She's got a little sister, Chloe, who looks way more Hispanic than anyone else in this family, first off. Now, that's what I was wondering. Is not adopted or... Not that they say. He does not fit. No. She looks nothing like the very blonde mom. I mean, the dad maybe kind of, but like, I don't know. That's like, neither here nor there. a little ethnic look to him, but not. Her little sister is awesome. I'm going to say that. I love her <laughs> I love little her sister. Oh, her little sister is a sweet little snitch, and I love it. <laughs> Somebody had to say it. But dad is, dad is really overdoing it. Like, he's really like, remember, this is the first time you're meeting your daughter's new boyfriend. And he's like, my wife is so beautiful. <laughs> She's the best cook. It's like. Bring it down a notch, man. What are you comp? I mean, we'll learn what he's compensating for, but he's really overdoing it in a way that would make me very uncomfortable if I were Paul. <laughs> I don't know. I don't feel like you need to reinforce that at the dinner table by telling, announcing to everyone that I really love my wife and she's the most beautiful person I know. Like, okay, I take that as a given. I mean, I don't, you don't need to tell me that. And then they start busting his balls. They're like, so you go to college? Because she's still in high school. She's 18. He's 20. Melanie is 18, Paul is 20. And like, oh, what are you going to move to your parents' place? And he's like, I don't know. It's like, I'm fine living there. Like, why would I move out? <laughs> the dad's like, Melanie's dad is like, well, you're not a real man until so you move out of your parents' house. And cut to the very next scene, 15 seconds later, Paul's laying in bed. He gets a text on his phone. And it's the only time we see the text thing. And you would think that would, you know, either do it a bunch or don't do it at all. Don't just do that once where a text pops up on the screen for us to read. And it's Melanie saying, my parents really, really like you a lot, but we all agree you need to move out of your parents' house and be a real man in capital letters with three exclamation points. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I left, you and your parents had a long discussion about what a pussy I am, I guess. And like, <laughs> I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not a real man. So I guess based on the word of these people, I'm going to have to do something about this. Okay, the last movie had a thing with salads, right? Like he doesn't, he also doesn't know what a, what a dinner, what dinner looks like somehow. Because in the last movie, in Seven Days Away, his mom was preparing like salad and that was it for dinner, right? <laughs> On one scene, if I remember correctly. And in here, they're eating salad. He, they have the most enormous chalices of iced tea. <laughs> and his dad takes... I think he just, again, he just needs something to do with his hands because he picks up the bottle of dressing, opens it, and he puts the, like a dot, the tiniest dot of dressing on his salad and puts the lid back on, hands it to, and the mom like does like what seems like a kind of a normal amount of dressing. But this dad, why do you even, don't even bother opening it? 
you you accomplish nothing <laughs> with that amount of dressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he put, he says to them like, I think it's time I move out. And then we cut to his mother having a complete fucking meltdown. <laughs> that her twenty year old son, who's going to college, is wants to get his own place. She's just sitting on a bed sobbing, and the dad has to come in and like try to calm her down. Like, what, what did I do wrong? I just, nothing. This is normal for normal people. <laughs> Cut those apron strings, man. Also, look, and also, there's nothing wrong with living with your parents or you're going to college. That doesn't make you any less of a man or a woman or anything. Hmm. But when you say it's time to go, it's time to go. And mom needs to fucking <laughs> take yeah. a chill pill because she's losing it. Cut to, again, again, all these scenes, 15 seconds long. Cut to, he, I guess, is packing up his stuff and he hits his shin on something. And here, here is the, on display, the acting of Josiah David Warren because he hits his shin and spends the next 20 seconds screaming about it as if a chest burster has come out of him and is preparing to leap across. Like, he is shrieking. I'm, look, I hit my, I've hit my shin and it sucks balls. I hate it. But he, come on. This is what makes you not a real man. Not living with your parents. This shit. <laughs> because this is ludicrous. He, he reacts like a Muppet. <laughs> and it's the first. He hurts himself a number of. Like he, I guess he decided I'm going to try out my slapstick in this movie. Because he yeah. has hurt a number of times in this movie. On mm-hmm. nothing. <laughs> and he overreacts to all of them. Yeah. It's like he decided oh, this character is going to be clumsy. And then he was yes. like, yeah. He's constantly dropping things, too. Like, mm-hmm. that's, like, his part of his shtick. It's, it's, the very, it's the very next scene. So he's overdoing it about the shin. <laughs> and then he's cooking a, He's cooking, what, well, an egg. He's cooking an egg on the stove. He gets a call from Melanie that she wants to come over. He goes in his room for a second to talk on the phone. Why you couldn't just stay in the kitchen? I don't know. You have to... He can only talk on the phone when he's sitting on his bed. But, and the... Mind you, this pan of eggs is not in flames he's been gone for 10 seconds <laughs> nothing is wrong with these eggs but he's like oh you smell that hang on a second and goes to the kitchen and acts as if his kitchen is on fire grabbing this pan of eggs by the he grabs he clearly grabs it by the long plastic handle which is nowhere near the burner and then acts as if he just stuck his hand in lava he's screaming he drops his <laughs> eggs on the floor but he also tells her She's like, I'm coming over at 7.30. He's like, great, I'm making us dinner. Excuse me. <laughs> that one and a half eggs you just dropped on the floor was dinner for you and your girlfriend? Get the fuck out of here. What are you talking about? He doesn't know how food works. He doesn't know how girls work. He doesn't <laughs> He doesn't understand how movies work or editing or write. Well, he doesn't write these. They're written by, and she makes a cameo in here as the pastor at their church. The, what's her name? Her. Something, something, son, who writes all his movies. So they've got a real partnership going on yeah so he set up a candlelight dinner well he has set up a bowl with a candle in it and two empty plates we never see (laughs) what there's no food on these plates we never see him put food on these plates other than the eggs he dropped on the floor we don't see him cooking anything so i don't know what this romantic dinner is supposed to be but it's not to be anyway because when melanie arrives she arrives with all her friends because he's got his own place now and this is going to be the party pad so unannounced, she just brings like four other people with, and she's like, "Oh, you set you set the you set the table for us." And he's like, "Yeah, it was it was going to be lovely." He says, <laughs> "This fucking schmuck." Not, I don't know. 
<laughs> he's either overselling or underselling every emotional beat. <laughs> he never hits it. He never hits the mark. Because he's usually just very, very subdued no matter what's going on. Or he's having a conniption fit. <laughs> and later when he's angry, well, we'll get to that <laughs> too. That's a whole nother thing. Mm. So, but yeah, hit, her friends come over and they've brought beer. Can you believe it? And they're like, hey, where do, you know, where's your beer? And he's like, I don't drink. And they're like, what? And the, the, the remainder of this movie will be pretending that a 20-year-old co college student trying alcohol for the first time just you know, these aren't ragers it's just him and four other people sitting around a living room <laughs> occasionally smoking weed and they act as if he has hit skid row <laughs> like he is a lost that's how i don't know that's that's a christian maybe they don't want to get into anything too uncomfortable or too crazy you know but his like the movie and his mother act as if they have found him under a bridge with a needle in his arm like, you know what I mean? And it's, he's, he had a beer. <laughs> everybody, everybody can bring it down. So, of course, he's hungover. This is the first time drinking. But, of course, we never actually see him drink. We do see him smoke. What is this fake weed they have? Because yeah. there's no, there's no possible way. I'm shocked as hell that they showed this on camera, that he chose to yeah. film them smoking anything. But there's no way he had weed on the set. So what is yeah. this fake weed they're smoking? I don't know if it's like herbal stuff or what. I don't know. I It shocked me because it's like they will not even show a girlfriend and boyfriend share a kiss. Mm -mm. But they were showing them smoking out of glass pipes. And also an apple <laughs> at one point. <laughs> he does make yeah, an bong out of an apple. Apple bong. I was thoroughly surprised to see because, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. But we never see him like, you know, oh, I drank too much and I'm throwing. He just wakes up and he has a headache. Okay, you're a little hungover. But it's his mom calling, hey, you're on your way to church? And he's like, oh, yeah. So, so far, the only ill effects of him becoming ever so slightly a college party boy is he missed church one week. And that this movie treats it like, oh, no, <laughs> the end is nigh. This poor boy is on, he's on the slip and slide to hell. So he goes to church. He's hungover. For some reason, he's sitting like two rows behind his parents instead of with them. Yeah. And then the old lady next to him, here's more of his slapstick humor. Get ready to laugh, everybody. This old lady hands him a stick of gum and he puts it in his mouth wrapper and all. Because <laughs> he's hungover and he's an idiot. I don't know. <laughs> and he realized, oh, no, I put the wrapper in mouth too and takes it out. Like that's, these are the jokes, everybody. <laughs> It's like one giant dad joke. He had a dad joke earlier when he was like, I was homeschooled and they're laughing at him. He's like, it was okay. I was the top person in my class or whatever. Mm -hmm. And no one laughs, of course, because that's lame. So he's out. I never use that joke. He's right. out. He's out. I guess he, he and Tim only meet to either play basketball or like go for a jog. So Tim is mm -hmm. his like athlete friend. And he just got done running with Tim. He goes to sit down on this bench. And we never see what the surroundings are. Is this at a park? Is it just on the side of the road? Where is this bench? But anyway, he sits on the bench and there's a little, there's a kid there who likes, or maybe is it, no, he must have been, he was walking the dog. He's walking lady because he took the dog with when he moved out and the kid's kind of loving on this dog and he talks to this kid and he's like, I used to have a, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, no, you know what? It is funny. He says, I used to have a dog. He died in a car accident, which is a real weird way to say my dog got hit by a car. Later on, we learned that this kid's mother is dead, but he doesn't say how. 
So he'll give us the details on the dog's death, but not the mom's death. So that raises a lot of questions for me. Was the dog driving? Was there a car accident in which the dog was in the car with his mom and they both perished? How does your dog die in a car accident? Hit by a yeah. car, I understand. Well, he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. No, you gotta buckle the dogs in. <laughs> or maybe it was like, maybe it was hereditary. He just had his head out the window, catching some air, and they hit that fucking pole. <laughs> and the next thing you know, <laughs> there's a pile of ants on that dog's head. Oh, ow. Oh, oh, I'm okay. Yeah, but this kid, yeah, so they have this conversation about the kid's dog dying, and then it's on to the next scene, and you're like, okay, that was random. And this kid will always be random, it will never amount to anything, <laughs> except for more talk about homeschooling. Yep. Paul is at Melanie's house having dinner with the family again. They seem to do this a lot. But the parents are having wine. They ask Paul if he wants any. He says no. Which, why not? You've already, we've started drinking now. But And then Melanie's like, oh, I'll have some. And they give her, and she's 18, they give her some wine at the dinner table. Which, whatever. I, does that make them bad parents? I don't know. <laughs> you know? They're not giving it to the little girl, but... <laughs> He acts like, oh, oh, you know, and the movie wants us to be like, unbelievable. These, you know, these irresponsible deadbeat parents. No wonder the whole, and then another theme of moral of this movie is, look how this girl turned out, because look how her parents turned out. Well, her mom seems fine. Her dad's an asshole, it turns out. Mm -hmm. But mom seems perfectly lovely and nice. So I don't, I don't think Melanie's problem is a, <laughs> a family problem. I think it's just Melanie. But it's supposed to be, oh, they didn't raise her in the church. They let her do whatever, I mean, let her do whatever she wants is how she got spoiled and conceited. But her atheism is not the problem <laughs> with this girl. She has other problems. And the little sister's name, I don't know why. I wrote Chloe at one point, because don't they call her Chloe at some point, or am I crazy? But another point, did you write Jessina? Okay, yes. I have it in quotes with a giant question mark, because Dad calls her, like, the little, little sister's name is, not a real name, Jessina. J-E-S-E-N-N-A. I wrote that down. I thought like, I was crazy. No, is this the Key and Peel football sketch? What is this? <laughs> Just in a plaque barrel. Lone Star <laughs> University. <laughs> That's not a real name. You made that up. I think her name is Chloe, and they just, like, they're calling her that to fuck with Paul, honestly. Because I heard Jessna originally, and then later, after everything happens, the mom... Or he asked, where's Chloe? And right. I'm like, who the fuck is Chloe? <laughs> what? No, that's the sister. Oh, she's somewhere. And I'm like, she's talking about the little sister, but her name is Jessica. Yeah, she had both names, I guess. It's but... very possible they were filming the movie and were like, what was her name? I don't know. Her so, Josiah, I noticed earlier in the script uh, that <laughs> this girl's name is written as Jessica. And I refuse to say that. So... Because that's not a real fucking name. Uh, so we're just going to call her Chloe henceforth in the script. Is that cool? Yeah, that's cool. We do not have time to go back and reshoot. So <laughs> I already cut the dailies for that. Or I paid that guy to make eight cuts in, the, in that scene. So, <laughs> And they're sitting around. Him and the Melanie's family are sitting around watching a horror movie, which I think is just another subtle little like, oh my God, they're letting this little girl watch this horror movie? They're terrible, terrible parents. And the power goes out. This is another, this scene means nothing. You could have cut it out. You only would have saved 15 seconds, but you could have cut it out. The power goes out, and Jessica, Chloe, whatever her name is, is like, oh, are we poor? 
that's her first thought not like oh god it's dark i'm scared like are we poor and dad's like we're not poor don't even worry about it that's a dumb thing to say we're not poor and the mom's like no it's not just us we didn't forget to pay the electric bill or anything like it looks like the whole neighborhood's neighborhood's power out i'm gonna go get a candle and that's it that's the scene it means nothing <laughs> it adds well, that, nothing that leads that leads to one of the lines that I had to write down. Yes. Which is when the power comes back on, the little sister goes, Yay, we're not poor. <laughs> yes. We're not poor well, after all. And also, the mom goes to get a candle and brings out the tiniest little tea mm-hmm. light. It's like, oh, thank God you went and got us some light. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I guess also during this scene, Paul can't help himself but ask Melanie's dad, like, so what made you stop going to church? Because he had said he used to go to church. And he's like, oh, I met, I'm, you know, I started going out with her. So we're supposed to, so are we supposed to believe that the mom is the bad influence here? That like dad was a good little church boy and then mom like wrecked him? I don't think so. But yeah, and then Melanie's like, creepy dad. oh, do you go to church to meet girls? Is that what it is? And Paul and the dad are both like, no, no that's not how it works. <laughs> don't even worry about that. But that's another, it doesn't, it, it adds nothing to it. <laughs> like if anything, it, it's weird that you're putting that he was the Christian and she was atheist and so he stopped being Christian when to go out with her but then he's the one who winds up being a bad guy it should be the other way around right if that's right. the moral you're trying to express it's conflicting with what it's trying to do he so we, Paul the next day is on he's this it happens twice in this movie he's in the car he's talking to his mom on the phone he's like he's canceling on her he's like whatever it is church or dinner or whatever it is he's like no I'm sorry I can't make it I got too much homework and I got too much stuff going on and there is no goodbye. He just holds the phone away from his hand and clicks the thing. Like, I, his mom hung up on him. <laughs> that has to be what it is, right? Because they never say goodbye. Just the conversation's over. And he's looking at his phone. So I think he's like, I can't come. And she's like, uh, and hung up on him. <laughs> it's the only thing I can think of that explains that. Or again, you don't know how social actions work. <laughs> that you have to say hello and goodbye when you answer and are done on the phone. <laughs> so, oh man, he's... In his kitchen, he opens the fridge. There's nothing in it but some toppled yogurt. And one, th- there are so many things in this movie to talk about the contents of this man's refrigerator. But for now, we're going to focus on this scene in which there is a lone, loose chicken drumstick, not on a plate, not wrapped up in anything, just a chicken drumstick, just sitting, free balling it in his fridge, <laughs> just going commando. And he takes it out. He starts eating it. He trips on a bean bag, like a bean bag chair, and again, oh, 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 as if he's on roller skates, drops this piece of chicken, and the dog eats it, and he's like, oh, he's almost crying, like, that was my last chicken. <laughs> yes, I wrote that one down, too, because I love that line. That's my last chicken. That's my last chicken. <laughs> but you know what? That's actually, let me tell you a little story from my past. There was a point uh, when I moved into my first little efficiency apartment, and my friend Adam would come over and just crash on my place a lot and we were also very broke and we had for there was probably a week where all we had to eat was a a box of multi meal but i made it with like brown sugar and stuff and it was the last multi meal we had and i made it up for adam and i was carrying it over to him and when he went to grab it he dropped it on the floor and i'm telling you adam almost started crying this is a tough like football guy and he almost started crying he looked at me and he goes but that was the last multi meal (laughs) so i get it this is a real life situation. I understand this chicken shit because that happened. <laughs> Back at uh, the bench, bench kid is there again, 
And first off, Paul sits next to him and he's like, hey, what are you doing here? And he's like, and the kid's like, I don't know, I'm sitting on this bench. And Paul says to him, you should go home. Hey, Paul, mind your own fucking business. <laughs> what do you give a shit what this kid's doing? He can sit on a bench if he wants to. It's not your bench. You got your own shit to worry about. You have nothing in your fridge and you dropped your last chicken. This kid's got his shit together. He's just sitting on a bench. Leave him alone. <laughs> you should go home. You should go home. <laughs> oh, and I, there's a line here I had to write down too because it's not how people talk. When he sits down, what he says to the kid is, where do you live around, man? Yeah. That's not a sentence. There's a couple lines like that in here. <laughs> and then I wrote whistle, but I don't know why. I don't know. I think that says whistle. I just love how the kid was like, I'm not telling you where I live. And I was like, good you bench, kid. Good yeah. stranger danger. That's a skill Paul has not yet learned. No. I still don't know why I wrote whistle. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but then bench kid is like, I don't want to go home because my new, there's a lady there. She's trying to marry my dad. And I don't like it. Okay, bye. End scene. <laughs> next, on to the next thing. Here, yeah, here's where they're smoking weed. They're passing the pipe around. And he, yeah, he gives into peer pressure and tries it <laughs> immediately. So he takes a hit and then he takes another hit. And he's like, oh, I can feel it. And then, and then he like instantly feels bad. And he announces to the room, he's like, I gotta go read my Bible. <laughs> like he's gonna like, oh no, what have I done? Uh, this is why you don't have friends, man. <laughs> Did the one guy have to be dressed in, like, Rasta gear? Like, did that have to be a thing? Like, did no. you notice that? No, he did not. But I'm also, on one hand, seeing as this is a Christian movie, I'm honestly shocked there are black people in it at all. Mm. But, I mean, it is interesting that they are, you know, primarily. Because we have Michael who's around all the time, but the other two black people who show up kind of only show up for this scene with weed in it. So, yep. mm, mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> and also we'll come to find out that Michael, uh, who is cucking Paul, <laughs> is, you know, what what a stereotypical <laughs> bullshit, like, the black guys are coming for our women thing that is. And I'm not even going to get into that any more than that. That's I think I've said all I need to say about that. But it's it's there. You don't have to look too hard for it. There's a, there's a lot of just, again, 15-second scenes of Melanie calling him and be like, hey, come over and we're at a party. Or, or I guess this next day he's hung over again. Also, this man does not have a lock. There's no lock on this man's door, right? Because Melanie just waltzes in and out as she pleases, except for one time when she should have and she doesn't. <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> but when they, when you see him open the door, I don't see a deadbolt or anything. There's just the knob. What kind of apartment doesn't have any kind of lock on it? Unless he gave up, but we never see Melanie with a key. Did he get, but she's just constantly coming in and out, being there when he does not know she's going to be there. His parents can just walk in and out. But... But there's there's at least three or four scenes where Paul will be standing in the kitchen and Melanie will just walk up behind him and he's like, when did you get here? <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> your girlfriend came to your house and you did not know because she just walked in. You didn't well, know she yeah, was coming. One, one scene towards the end, she's like, yeah, I crashed on your couch that last is, night because I was drunk. How did you not know that she was on your couch? You just walked through the living room to get to the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, we can jump. Yeah, we're going to jump in right now because I'm glad you might. I was going to get to it, but it's fine. Yeah, there's a scene later where she has come to his place drunk and he won't let her in, basically. He kicks her out and she leaves. And then we cut to the next day. He's in his kitchen and she walks up and he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, oh, I was too drunk to drive home. So I just crashed on your couch. What do you mean? So she came back into your apartment and slept on your couch and you did not notice that she was there. <laughs> you are, this guy's so, he's an idiot. He's an idiot. Because <laughs> how do you miss that? 
anyway. But she's like, let's go do a thing. And he's like, no, I got to get to church. My mom, like, my mom's going to call. I got to get to church. My parents will kill me if I don't go. And she says, my parents let me do whatever I want. <laughs> he's like, all right. <laughs> I guess I won't go to church then. More of her shit. And then the next scene, okay, this, this defies, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this scene. He's standing in his kitchen. There's a knock on the door. It's his parents. They're like, oh, we were in the neighborhood. We just dropped by to see you. And there's a, so there's a beer can sitting on the counter and immediately his mom sees it. It's like, whoa, 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 what is that? And he's like, oh, I started a new hobby. I collect cans and turn them in to give money to charity. <laughs> Which and she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you fell for that? First off. They just walk into his kitchen and start rummaging through his cupboards and his fridge <laughs> to see what he has. And he's like, I like, can you guys just go? I'd like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Bye, mom and dad. And they, they're like, okay, I guess. And they turn it. Okay, they leave. Four seconds later, Melanie and all the friends walk in, which means they had to have passed in the hallway. They just let themselves in. They've brought beer. A party starts. He's smoking out of an apple bong that he's made. Because <laughs> he's just into it now. He's like, everybody check this out. Look what I did. And then his parents walk back in. They've been gone for 10 seconds. They now have an armload of bags of groceries. And he's like, what are you guys doing back here? And they say, we brought you some groceries. Why didn't you bring them up with you the first time you came up? <laughs> Why did you come in, leave, go back down to your car, get the groceries? Unless you weren't sure he was home. In which case, why would you go to the grocery store? You're just going to buy groceries and you go to his place and he's not home, then what? You're going to turn around and go home and put the groceries in your fridge until he's free? Leave them in your car to spoil? I don't understand any of this. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you bring the groceries up with you in the first place? Why did you make a separate trip back down to the car to get groceries? Because we need them to walk in on him with all the people drinking, smoking the bong, you know. And his parents are like, oh, what, what's going on? And his mom says, what about God? <laughs> Not, oh, you smoke weed now? Oh, you drink now? Just what about God? And storms, and then he's like, oh, my God, can you guys just go? Like, I didn't ask you for groceries. I don't want them. Just take your groceries and go. And they leave the groceries and go. And good thing they did, or the man would starve. And his friends were all laughing at his mom, which, I mean, I'm kind of on their side here <laughs> on this one. As rude as they are for barging in, but just, what about God? <laughs> the next, well, I'd say the next day, but who fucking knows? Some, uh, some future day, Paul literally bumps into Kathleen. But that makes it sound like it's an accident. I mean, it's supposed to be an accident. But it looks as if, <laughs> because he clearly can see her. And just shoulder bumps into her like he's a school bully who's walking by you in the hallway and gives you a shoulder check. <laughs> That's what it looks like. And he's like, but we're supposed to believe that he just didn't see her. He's looking right at her. Knocks the stuff out of her hand. It's like, oh, I'm Paul. I'm Kathleen. Okay. Okay. Bye. And off they go. Ships in the night. But that's their first meeting when he <laughs> almost knocks her over. And then Paul is saying, Paul's now looking at his Facebook. And he's like, I am a loser. I only have 160 friends. That's not bad. 160, that's decent. You're not an influencer. What do you need more than that for? I don't. I I find it odd that you know 160 people, to be honest. (laughs) And also, that's not why you're a loser. There are reasons that's not one of them. So, he's supposed to... He has a job interview. And he's supposed to teach a kid... He's, like, tutoring some kid with drums. Which, this poor kid. I hope you're you're paying in chicken drumsticks because you shouldn't be paying this man to teach you drums. He's not good enough. But, and Melanie comes up, no, come do something with me. So he's like, okay, I guess. I don't need a job. And blows off this job interview. Blows off this kid he's supposed to teach drums to. Because he just cannot tell this girl no for some reason. Despite her being very, very annoying. 
Cut to next scene. He's sitting at a restaurant with Tim. Also, this restaurant or whatever it is has like weird Christian quote posters all over the walls. What is this restaurant? Because <laughs> it's not a set. It's, it seems to be an actual restaurant, but you're telling me this, <laughs> whatever, whatever. He's sitting eating with Tim and in walks Melanie's dad with some other woman. And he's like hiding like, oh, I had dinner with that dude. <laughs> he says, which I found funny. And Tim is like, see, that's the problem with your girlfriend. This is why your girlfriend is the way she is and you shouldn't be with her. Because look at this. All right, man, take a deep breath. <laughs> From the second he heard about this girl, I think, I think Tim's sweet on Paul is what I think. Because he spends the whole movie like, that girl's not right for you. You don't know shit about her. <laughs> to start with, I didn't tell you anything but nice things. And why are you, oh, because she, she doesn't go to church with us? Jerk. Yeah, this girl's no good for you. <laughs> we cut to Paul's mom sobbing into her Bible, like hugging her Bible to her bosom, sobbing into it. Oh, Jesus, help my son. Again, as if he's just gone into, like as if he's just been arrested for public indecency at a swimming pool or something. Like, what do you mean? She's acting as if her son is, we're, it's the prodigal son, everybody. Do you get it? That's what we're yeah. doing. <laughs> and if you didn't get it, that's the the very appropriate sermon that when they're at church at the, it always happens in these Christian movies that the sermon that they're giving at church just happens to coincidentally be very relatable to the circumstances the characters find themselves in. It's odd. I found, I never found that to be true when I went to church. But yeah, she, she is losing it because they walked in on their kid and his friends smoking weed. I mean, okay, that's not what you want. That's great. Or, you know, it's not great if that's not, but just like have a conversation about it. Don't just sit at home and <laughs> weep. Cut to. It's just cut to, cut to, all the time cut to. Melanie and the guys are, the friends are sitting around Paul's place. And Paul's trying to vacuum. He's in the other room. He's like vacuuming in the hallway. And they're getting annoyed by it. For some, they're like, why has he got to do that right now? And Melanie's like, stop cleaning your apartment. <laughs> and they get in like an argument about it. And he's like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I can clean my apartment if I want to. It's my apartment. And Michael stands up and gets in his face. And he's like, hey, don't talk to her like that. He's like, whoa, hey, look, you know. So there's, yeah. I have a little bit of a the one time he actually stands up to her bullcrap. Somebody's got somebody acts like he's slapped her across the room. Yeah, yeah, he's in the right. He can vacuum his place if he wants. Why are you, <laughs> you know? It's not like he's, he's not even like right next to you. He's down the hallway. <laughs> She's just like, oh my, stop cleaning, yeah. stop doing that. And it's not like he's, it's not like he's like, shut up, you stupid fucking bitch. He's just yeah. like, don't tell me what to do. That's all he says. Yeah. And the guy's like. What? You can't talk to her like that. <laughs> well, I mean, Michael has his reasons, but... I love that the scene starts with Wendy's vacuuming. The first thing anyone says is, what is that noise? Yeah. Like, none of them have ever heard They've a vacuum They've never heard a vacuum cleaner. Before. You didn't see him get it out of the closet, <laughs> plug it in. It's just... It's like everyone in this movie is a newborn baby, and they're just discovering things all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what is that noise? Yeah. Cut to mom making sad cookies. <laughs> she is in such a deep, dark place over this. Like she's she pulls this tray of cookies out of the stove and then turns around and she just is sad. Like she just, well, why are you making cookies then? Is that like, is that a thing you do? Does that help with your depression? I don't know, maybe, that's fine. But dad walks up and she, you know, he's like, she's like, oh, what did I do wrong? I've lost him. He's like, I, you know what? I have a feeling he'll be back by Christmas. That's optimistic. But she's just she's just so sad making these, like taking these cookies out of the oven. It made me laugh. So it's Christmas Eve, the first one. 
finally. And Melanie and Paul have gone go-karting on Christmas Eve, which, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised a go-kart place is open on Christmas Eve, but I guess maybe a bigger, who knows. And she says to him, I think my dad is seeing someone. And he's like, huh. <laughs> She's like, why don't you seem surprised about that? But then has no follow-up questions. <laughs> Here's my next favorite thing. So he does get a job delivering. <laughs> I could never read what his hat said, the company hat he's wearing. So I'm not quite sure what's happening here. But it's in essence DoorDash that he's doing right. But specifically only one bucket at a time <laughs> of KFC chicken. And I don't... Well, at one point, yes. And one guy does get also a two liter. But it's never in a bag. It's just he's just carrying a bucket of chicken that he brings up to someone's door. I don't think we were supposed to see that it's KFC, but at the point when he drops the bucket on the ground, we do get a shot where we see that it's clearly labeled as a KFC bucket of chicken, which raises a question for me. Because pretty soon, this company that he works for is going to go bankrupt and he's going to lose his job. So, which of these two things happened? Did KFC go out of business? Or did DoorDash go out of business? DoorDash where he went and had a job interview in person at, which is not a fucking thing. Well, no, see, I think that it was supposed... No, I really do think it was supposed to be a chicken restaurant, but it was so poorly done because when he's in his interview, he's like sitting at a kitchen table in an yes. apartment. In a woman's house. the kitchen table is a, is a giant pan yes. of fried chicken and a bag of biscuits. Yes. So, like, this woman is selling fried chicken out of her kitchen and sending people to deliver it, I guess? In KFC buckets. In KFC buckets, yeah. Like, she she just, she's gone to KFC a bunch of times in her life, thought, I could do this. So now every time she goes, she saves the bucket, right? And she has a stockpile of KFC buckets that she's maybe cleaned in her house. And she's sending people out to deliver buckets of her chicken in KFC buckets, which is all for advertising and should be, and it's probably illegal, right? But we were never supposed to see that it was KFC. I promise you. <laughs> but yeah, so this woman is just running a chicken, fried chicken delivery service out of her home, I guess. And he's her sole delivery it. man. But I we never see him delivering biscuits. It's always, it's one solitary bucket of chicken at a time. And then one two liter to one guy. <laughs> that's, no, that's not how that works. Nobody's ordering any sides ever. We's, this is the one prop we have. <laughs> <laughs> or that well, he can manage to carry and not fall flat on his face with. And he can't even do that. <laughs> the bucket has one of those cardboard topper things, but it's mm-hmm. never on, right? It's always like half sticking yeah, it's always out, a out skew. of a bucket. <laughs> because it's clearly a used bucket that he's using over and over again in every scene. Yep. When he's not eating out of it himself, which happens at some point. <laughs> and at one lady's house, here's another scene you could just take out of this movie because it means nothing. There's a montage of him delivering... A bucket at a time. Oh, thanks. $20. Here's your tip. And he always looks at his tip like, oh, well, that's not very much money. Oh, and he puts the lot of cash in his pocket. He gets to one lady's house and she lets him in, which no one else did. Everyone else like, you're fine on the porch. Thanks. But she's like, oh, come on in. She goes to get the money. He looks over above her mantle. She's got a really nice house. And there's a classic like Jesus painting, but with like Japanese script underneath it. So I'm not sure what that is. But she comes back and she sees him looking at it. And she goes, oh, do you like that picture? And he goes, yeah. End scene. <laughs> Pointless shit. The way the scene, the way the scene started, I thought for sure this was a delivery boys situation. <laughs> yes, like, like, a, like a classic porno. Right. She invites. Oh, him come in, in chicken of. man. <laughs> I was like, whoa, this is going a really weird way. Yeah, it does have that feel to it, but then there's a Jesus picture there, and they just have a short, very brief conversation about how cool that is, and then he's on his mm-hmm. way. 
every scene is so awkward that it just does give off that feel of like he's being invited in and she's being kind of weird and she's gonna go grab money i'll be right back <laughs> and then like you're like okay what's gonna happen next like <laughs> I'm not ready for this like and then yeah just jesus it, picture it turns out the answer is nothing <laughs> well yeah because every scene is a 15 second long clip that's not very terribly connected to the thing that happened right before it or the 15 seconds that happened right after it <laughs> okay so he got his first paycheck, right? He's gone out and got himself some groceries like a real grown-up man. And we need to talk about, oh my God. So he opens his fridge, he's unloading his groceries, all right? He's got a gallon of milk, cool. There's some beer in the fridge already, which how did he afford that if he couldn't afford any food? But whatever, maybe his friends left it there. He takes from a grocery bag. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I fucking hallucinated this because I thought I must have. I wrote this down. He pulls out a, like a big pack of ramen noodles you know, like an 8 or 12 pack, whatever it is, with a bunch of top, you know, what, what brand it? Marshan, you know, yeah, ramen noodles. Ramen. And puts it into his refrigerator. <laughs> Have you ever in your life seen a human being put packaged ramen noodles from the store and store it in their refrigerator. He has lots of cabinets. He really has a nice, he has a lot of cabinets but he's in this kitchen, surprisingly. And he's putting his dry, <laughs> brand new ramen noodles, multi-pack, <laughs> in the fridge, like a complete freak show. What is happening? <laughs> I could not believe my eyes. <laughs> that, of all the crazy shit in this movie, that's the most bizarre thing. you're like did an AI write this and then they just went along with it because it's not something a human being would do no <laughs> I think it was him I think he brought the stuff in and he was supposed to put it in the cabinet and he put it in the fridge and they were just like just, just let it go just roll just roll don't correct or in the house that Josiah David Warren grew up in and was homeschooled in for some weird reason <laughs> they only eat salad <laughs> At dinner time, and they put the ramen noodles in the fridge. I don't know what's going on with this kid's when he where he grew up. But some who did who did what to you? Show me on the doll where they taught you to put ramen noodles in the fucking refrigerator, sir, because that's jacked up. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Wow. And so he so he loads his fridge, and then like a specter, Melanie appears behind him again. And he's, how did you get, how did you get in? Stop, either take this girl's key away or get a lock for your door or whatever. You have to stop being surprised that she's just appearing in your house. I started to wonder if this was a sixth sense situation and this girl's just a ghost. Cause she's always just appearing in his house without his knowledge. She somehow slept on his couch and he didn't notice. Was she invisible at the time? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe during, maybe she, maybe that's a moral lesson of the movie that they cut out. There's a deleted scene somewhere where we find out that when she had an abortion a while ago, she died, and now she's a <laughs> ghost who just haunts us. I don't know. That would make Bench Kid make a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, and Bench Kid could be a ghost too. It could just be that he's just seeing dead people. Tim would make more sense. Tim would make a lot more sense, yeah. Maybe Melanie's dad wasn't even cheating on his mom. Maybe he just walked in and a ghost walked in at the same time. <laughs> he was just getting a burger, man. He was just picking up him. Oh, man. But, yeah, she appears behind him, surprising him once again in his own home. And she's like, my dad filed for divorce. And he's like, oh, okay. Pat, pat, pat. <laughs> like, this is your girlfriend. You've been going out. Because they say 
When they're at Christmas Eve go-karts, they say they have been going out for four months. Mm-hmm. They have not yet kissed or anything. So it's no wonder no wonder she's cheating on this guy. She can't get him to do anything, and they've been going together for four months. But And he won't even, he barely touches her. Like He's trying to comfort her because her dad filed a divorce, and he just has like one arm, and it's like, pat, pat, pat. It's okay. <laughs> Which could just be him as a as a person, as an actor, being like, hey, I'm not getting, you know, I'm not actually in a relationship in real life with this girl, so I can mm-hmm. keep my hands to myself. Which could be because I don't, he was, I don't believe he was, no, he was not married at this point. He did meet his real life wife in a movie that when he directed her, she was an actress in one of his movies. It's all age appropriate. I'm not suggesting anything. I'm not suggesting any kind of casting couch. It's like they fell in love on the set and that's very sweet and cool. But especially like I could see if it was after he was married and it was like, okay, I guess like I may be an actor, but there's lines I won't cross and my, my wife's right over there and I'm not touching this girl while she's looking. But this is before all that. So he's just a good Christian boy. So he's not even going like, to kiss a girl that he's not married to on camera. It's wild. Cut two again. He he's comes home from work and there's an eviction notice on his door. Which he seems kind of bummed about, and then he goes inside, and he has no food. All those, the ramen's all gone, <laughs> or else he misplaced it because he put it like who knows where he. Put... <laughs> Maybe he just sticks things random place. Maybe it's in your toilet tank. Did you check there? <laughs> I mean, if you put ramen in the fridge, you might be putting your Gatorade out on the balcony. You might be putting your <laughs> loaf of bread up on top of the ceiling fan. I don't fucking know what you're doing in this house, man. You don't know where to put shit. So you might want to look around like an Easter egg hunt and find the rest of your groceries because God knows where you put them. <sighs> so he's out delivering another bucket of chicken. He trips him. Again, this guy, this clumsy bastard, he trips, drops this bucket of chicken on the ground, and with the person he's delivering it to watching him through the window, picks this chicken up off the grass, puts it back in the bucket, and brings it to their door. Absolutely not. And then even more so absolutely not, the man pays him for it and does not remark on what just happened. Look. I'm no, Ka- I'm, no, I'm no Karen, okay? I try to be very nice to service people. But if I just watched you drop my dinner on my front yard and then just pick it up and hand it to me, no, I'm not paying you for that. You're certainly not getting a tip. <laughs> or you know what? I might give you a tip because I feel bad for you, but you can take that chicken right back where it came from because I'm not eating that. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> Cut to mom and dad sitting on the sofa reading their Bible. Apparently... Paul's favorite verse, which is Matthew something something, enter by the narrow gate, period. That's it. That's the verse. That's his favorite Bible verse that he used to read to his cousins when he was a kid. I'm sure in context of a larger bunch of verses, that makes sense as something that would be your favorite, but just enter by the narrow gate in and of itself is your favorite Bible verse. Weird. What kind of fit? I guess. Maybe it have practical applications in his life like maybe they dropped him off at school and he was like (laughs) which door that's like remember the enter through the narrow gate oh right the other one goes to the playground that's not where i want to go that's that verse saved me a lot of days i mean it's a verse about like it's basically like the harder the harder path is the better path because you suffer more and that's what we're all about you know like don't take the easy way you know but it doesn't really apply to anything in here it should have been a verse about the prodigal son or something Mm-hmm. There's another very subdued and quiet party going on at Paul's apartment with Melanie and Michael and all the gang. And there's a bang on the door, and there's a neighbor there who's like, You gotta turn this music down. The music is not. And Michael's like, Hey, the music's not that loud. I'm on Michael's side. The music is not that loud. You can barely hear it. But this neighbor is, you know, You gotta turn that down or I'm calling the police. Blah, blah, blah. 
He leaves. 18 seconds later, there is a police officer at their door <laughs> who is not wearing uniform whatsoever. It's, no. just, it's just a burly guy in a black t-shirt. Hey, I'm the police. I got a noise complaint. I think he had a vest that said police on it. Way That's down. It. You can see when he's pulling the handcuffs off of his belt. You can see that he has like right above his belt something that says police. But he has no badge. No mm -hmm. shoulder things. No nothing. It's just a black t-shirt that just happens to say police across the... Because he couldn't afford a police uniform, whatever. But, uh, yeah, he wants IDs from all these kids, and nobody has them, of course, so the kids all presumably get... We don't see it, because cut two, he's get, Paul's getting put in handcuffs, presumably for providing alcohol to minors, because he's... Well, he... But he's here's the thing. It's the minor showing up in his place and bringing the beer. <laughs> he never... As far as we can tell, he never bought them beer, and he's not... He's only 20. He's not 21 either, so... Anyway, but he gets arrested. We do not ever see him in jail. Next, The next thing we see is him sitting on a bench with Tim. Who bailed him out? Because at this point, he's not talking with his parents. And we know he's broke. Yeah. Who bailed him out of jail? Mm -hmm. You can also tell that Josiah David Warren has never been in trouble with the law because he doesn't know how that works either. <laughs> but he's sitting with Tim. You know, and Tim's like, hey, I haven't seen you a couple of days. Where, you know, where you been? So, you know, he's like, I don't know. I'm not doing so good, man. And Tim's like, it's not like you went to jail, though, right? And he just kind of shrugs, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Tim's like, wait, are you kidding me? You actually, like, you went to jail? That girl's no good for you. <laughs> That's his go-to. Not like, what did you go to jail for? Who bailed you out? Like, <laughs> you know, just instantly. You went to jail? I told you that girl's no good for you. You don't know it had anything to do with her. Maybe I beat up a monkey at the zoo. You don't know. Three bullet point scenes I have on this page alone. That just all I wrote was Tim is concerned. He's very concerned. It's that that's, girl and her whole family. <laughs> you haven't met Tim. You have not met Melanie's mother, who seems very nice. You have not met Justina Chloe. <laughs> Don't talk shit about it, this girl's family. You saw her dad in passing doing a naughty thing at a restaurant, and you've met. You haven't even met Melanie. You don't know shit. <laughs> all you're getting is secondhand stories from Paul, and not even details on that. It's so judgmental. Paul gets another call from Melanie. Hey, come party with me. He's like, no, I, you know, I got whatever. I got stuff to do or whatever. And she's like, you're never there for me. Because he won't come and party with her. Like, no, if anything, he is excessively there for you. And constantly <laughs> accessible to you at all times when you just walk into his apartment unannounced. <laughs> he will pat you when your father is getting a divorce. Like, he's there for you. But I guess he does go, I mean, she guilt trips him or whatever, because they next thing, we, they're sitting in the car, and, oh no, they're sitting, they must just be at her house, I don't remember. There's a, it's yeah. such a jumble of so many scenes. But Chloe and Melanie get in an argument about something. Oh, she's like, she mentions her dad, and Melanie's like, hey, I told you not to talk about dad. He betrayed us, and don't ever talk about him again. And little Chloe, this beautiful little snitch, turns to Paul and says, I saw her kissing Michael. I saw her kissing Stephen and Andrew, and she kisses everybody. Bye, and pieces out of the room. <laughs> and but then, then also, that's the end of the scene. We see no fallout. We don't see them get in an argument. We don't see Paul storm off. We don't see her being like, "Oh, she's just joking." Like, don't believe my little. Like, there's no conversation about it. Just that happens, and then cut to the next scene. And the next scene is he. Uh, he's apparently either doesn't believe it or is unaffected by it or doesn't care enough to care if she's kissing other people because the next scene is they're just at a party at Melanie's house because dad is gone and mom is off with her new boyfriend. And again, what is the time frame here? 
their mother who is so devastated that her husband was cheating and they're getting divorced has a new boyfriend already how much time has passed i mean good for her but geez well because in the last scene when they got in the fight about before chloe ratted her out for kissing michael and all that melanie was like yeah you missed my prom and you missed my homecoming and that was when i was like wait a minute what they were talking about prom and homecoming at christmas eve so how much time has passed and why did he miss those things like well yeah it was way earlier like sitting around at the dance studio that she's like hey my homecoming's coming up you gonna take me and he's like probably not <laughs> and then she mentioned then there's no mention of anything else like so apparently they didn't go and then yeah suddenly she's like you missed prom too so there's a lot of yeah again a yeah. lot of time has passed that we're not seeing much of so they're sitting around i guess drinking and this girl gina looked to me like she got a little drowsy like she just like she has her like she's taking a nap and they freak out Melanie's like, oh god no, oh god no, oh god no, and they're standing her up and making her go to the like go to the bath. Like, okay, she passed out, but she's not like foaming at the mouth. As far as you can tell, she just got sleepy. I don't know. Unless you're like, why are you doing other draw? I don't know. There's no reason to have this big of a freak out because we're not seeing them like pounding bottles of Jack. Like they have like a bottle of beer each, but they drag her into the bathroom and like spider water on her face and like, oh, you're feeling better now? Okay, yeah, okay, I'm better now. And they go back in the living room and Michael is still like helping her into her seat. <laughs> like 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 a little baby, like setting her in her seat. And then Paul's like, we should call like we should call an ambulance or something. And Michael's like and they get in a fight about him being a loser for wanting to call it like, you just got out of jail, you wanna get in trouble again? But Paul had a good point earlier, because when Melanie called, the reason he didn't want to go party because he's like, hey, I just got out of jail for this. Can we, like, lay low for a while? And that's when she's like, you're never there for me. <laughs> that seems logical. I don't know. But so Paul and Michael are in each other's face again. And Michael's like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to spill the tea. Melanie's boyfriend before you was me. And she's pregnant with my baby. What do you think of that? <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> and then she's, it was an accident, which is always my favorite excuse for, like, what, what do you mean, accident? <laughs> you don't accidentally insert things into people it doesn't work that way and so and then michael's like yeah just like an accident like when you had basically it's like you had a while back you had my abortion that was an accident too which is okay wow wow you're dropping that <laughs> it's a little late in the game that's a heavy spice to be putting in here but we're not really going to deal with any of it anyway so it doesn't matter so yeah so paul well, paul who again doesn't seem to really give a shit about this girl at all <laughs> through most of the movie is devastated by this and like leaves well they he and michael almost get into a fight on the porch and he has his most horribly bad dramatic moment no that's later where they oh i thought that's, it was, he was no that's this. that's way way at the end oh. i know what you're talking about though we'll oh. get to it yeah but so he, he and michael almost get in a fight this bombshell gets dropped he leaves cut to him and tim uh, finishing up at basketball again or whatever and he tells Tim, his Tim is concerned. <laughs> he tells Tim, you know, Melanie's pregnant, to which he immediately is like, don't worry, it's not mine. As if that's, it puts forth the notion that to Tim, it would be worse if Paul and Melanie had had sex than if Melanie is cheating on him and getting pregnant by other people. <laughs> because Paul, you should not be having sex anyway. Yeah, and yeah, Tim is again super judgmental. He's like, well, she's only 19. Oh, unheard of. 19-year-old, like, it's impossible that a 19-year-old could get pregnant. But Tim also tell, he tells Paul, hey, I saw your folks at the grocery store, and they mentioned they were going 
they're taking a vacation down south. And you didn't know about that? And Paul's like, no. Which tells us that his, he, Paul and his parents are incommunicado right now. As if his parents have just, have they cut him off completely? Or he's ignoring them? What's the situation? Because he doesn't, he hasn't seen them in a while and doesn't, they must have cut it. They must have just cut him off, like, right? Meanwhile, she's sobbing in revival about, oh, I miss my son. I love my son. But also, you're like, you're going on vacation and not telling him about it. He has to hear it from his friend. So, I don't know. Yeah, Paul loses his job because this weird (laughs) chicken delivery service is going out of business. Unsurprisingly, the uh, home chicken business that delivers one bucket at a time and drops your food and right in front of you on the front lawn is going out of business. Shocker. (laughs) She's also, he's like, I really needed this job. And she's like, yeah, a lot of people needed this job. We never see any other employees. As far as I know, this is some back alley deal you've made with this kid to deliver your chicken. I don't know what kind of business this is. He goes back to his apartment. We're back to this dude and his weird fridge stuff. He pulls up. The only thing left in his fridge is, a again, a loose piece of pizza. Not on a plate. Not in a baggie. Just a piece of pizza. And I don't know... You hear about Chicago pizza, you hear about New York pizza, argue, argue, argue. You know why you never hear about Texas pizza? If this is what Texas pizza is? Because this fucking thing is 99% crust. It's like thick-ass crust and then a tiny paper-thin layer of toppings on top. Mm-hmm. It's the weirdest pizza I've ever seen. I would not eat this, but it's hard as a rock because it's just been sitting open. You physically open in... can't eat it. No, yeah, it's hard as a rock because it's just been sitting loose in his fridge. He can't eat it. The dog won't eat it. So he and the dog have no food. And here is another one of the lines I had to write down because he's sitting there sweating. I, know, and I said, wrote it down too. I, I, I didn't pay the AC. What? Yeah. He says, like, yeah, it's like, oh, I need to pay the AC. You mean your electric bill? Because AC, maybe things are fucking weird in Texas, but I've lived a lot of places and I have never seen air conditioning as a separate utility. It's just part of your electric bill. That's why you don't run it unless you really have to, because your electric bill goes up, right? Yeah. I have to pay the AC. <laughs> what? I don't know what that... Unless you mean AC Slater, who's going to go and beat up Michael for you. That's the only AC you need to be paying, because that's a, it's just your electric bill, man. Talk like a normal person, please. Who knows how things work? Well, and I, I have that suspicion with this whole movie that maybe... Up until this point, he still wasn't even paying his own bills. His parents were still doing it because this character lives in an apartment for months without having a job before he gets his mm-hmm. chicken delivery job. Mm-hmm. How was he paying for it then? And then he he falls on hard times and can't pay his, his rent. What was he paying it with to start with? He didn't have a job. Yeah. There's a sad job search montage following this where he is walking. He's, you see him talking to you can't really hear what they're saying you see him looking just very hangdog as if he is begging (laughs) and just looking as sad as he can and people kind of shaking their heads like no we don't have a job opening for you and him dejectedly walking away and we see that like three or four times and then and and the one conversation you do hear is this one lady's like well i have this opening and this opening that's the only ones i have and he's like I'm just, I'm a college student, I'm in class then, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, um, as as close to crying as his acting ability will let him do. Like, don't do that in a job interview, man. <laughs> That's not the way to go. And the then, message I got was, no one would hire him because he turned his back on Jesus. Well, of course. He is the only way. <laughs> he comes back to the apartment, there's a second eviction notice on his door, and the next scene is him sitting with, I guess, his landlord in the landlord office. And he's like, you know, I just need a little more time. 
And what she says is, you, you've been late on your payments twice. Not you haven't paid rent in two months. But she says, you've been late paying two months in a row. And between that and the noise complaint you got, I just can't deal with this anymore. So you owe us $1,800 by Monday. His rent is $1,800 a month? Because again, she did not say he's missed. That's like two payments that you missed. So it's $900 a month and he owes for two months. She says you were late paying for two months. So he's already paid. Right now he owes for one month and it's $1,800 for this shit little apartment that he has. I don't think so. It can't be both of those things. <laughs> Melanie shows up at his door. Yeah, she's drinking. She's got a bottle of beer in her hand. And he's like, what are you doing? You can't drink that. You're pregnant. Oh, I lost the baby. What do you mean lost? He says. She says, it was an accident. Oh, you and your accidents. <laughs> what kind of accident? Like you fell down the stairs accident? Or you you just, you can say miscarriage. Or did you have an abortion? And you're lying about it? Like what? Whatever. I, I'm, yeah. I mean, I think what's being unsaid is that she probably just went and got an abortion. And isn't telling him about it. That seems to be, yeah, more upsetting to him than, you know, her health or, <laughs> you know, things of that nature. But this is the one time, because... Any other, any, every other scene in the movie, she has just walked into or just appeared behind him in his apartment. This is the one time where she calls first and he's like, no, I'm busy. What do you, what do you mean you're, wait, you're here? You're right outside? And he opens the door and she's standing outside of his door. Like she didn't knock. She's just standing. Why don't you just walk in this time? You walked in every other time. And in fact, the very next scene, yeah, the next scene is where we find out that she slept on his couch without him knowing it. After he kicks her out. <laughs> yes, which means she left. And then came back in. <laughs> it's not like you left her in the living room and assumed she left. You watched her leave and then somehow failed to see her re-enter. Which you shouldn't be able to do at all because you should have a lock on your door. And they have a conversation. I always keep on to say the next day, but who knows. Where she says, you know, you, you, never, you never even try sleeping with me, she says. <laughs> which she says as if it's a compliment. <laughs> like that makes you a nice guy. But how many... It was the four months mark at Christmas Eve, and we're probably halfway the next Christmas, so we're looking at, what, ten months now you've been going out? And he's never even tried to sleep with you? It's time to move on. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's that's no kind of relationship. I think that's weird. And then she says, when I get older, I want to homeschool my kids. And she suddenly is just coming around, and he's like, why would you even say that? And she's like, I don't know, like, you turned out all right. <laughs> or, and he's like, I thought you loved high school. You were so popular. And she's like, yeah, I just pretend to be happy. Okay. Is that the, is that the message of the movie? Like, people, I don't know. He's back at the restaurant with Tim. Tim announces that his mom has cancer and he's moving to Colorado to be with her while she gets treatment and help with his little brother. So ex exit the movie, Tim. Bye, Tim. Glad you were provided nothing of substance to this film whatsoever. Your entrance and exit has had zero effect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess he won't have this guy complaining about to him about his girlfriend anymore. And Paul gets home. He's been evicted. All of his, his drum kit and all of his stuff, his mattress is just sitting out on the deck or the hallway or whatever. So he's now homeless. Uh, yeah, and his locks have been changed because he puts his key in and it doesn't work the lock that doesn't exist on the other side of the door yes no yeah the inside <laughs> of this apartment and the outside of this apartment are two different buildings that they shot at yes. i don't know why but yeah from the outside that door clearly has a nice good deadbolt on it at like eye level height or just you know at the height it should be at and when he is inside the apartment opens the door that lock does not exist and also when he's in the apartment and he opens the door there's a hallway out there right yeah. Right. yeah but when his stuff's laying outside. Two different directions. Yes. 
when his stuff is laying outside, he walks up to unlock his apartment and he can't because the keys don't work anymore. He's like in the open air. He's like out on a, you know, <laughs> as if his front door opens on the outdoors, which is not the case when... Yeah. Like, anyway. He immediately, because timing is everything, gets a call from Melanie who's like, hey, we're coming over to party at your place. And he's like, I don't have a place. <laughs> I just got evicted. So he's no fun anymore. And <laughs> we're, we're back with Bench Kid again. He's sitting on the bench. The kids are eating a sandwich, talking about how, oh, whenever I dream, I dream about my my dead mom, and my dreams are always us here having a picnic. <laughs> your dreams are boring. You're not flying with your mom or anything. Just always a picnic, always. But he's got this sandwich, and he leaves it behind because, like, his new stepmom or whatever, like, calls him over, and he leaves this sandwich, and you see Paul look over at it, and he's sneaky, like... Because the kid was, like, giving the dog bite to the sandwich. And he, like, grabs his sandwich and, like, takes a bite out of it. And the kid comes back and it's like, oh, God. And he puts the sandwich down. Like, he almost got caught taking a bite out of this kid's sandwich. And, but this bench kid also tells him, like, homeschool, homeschool again. This kid is homeschooled, too. But what he says is, this makes no sense to me. He's like, you know, Paul's like, hey, well, you know, how are things going with the new stepmom? And he's like, it's actually going good. I like it because I'm homeschooled now. That's the sentence he says. I'm homeschooled now. As if he was not happy at regular school, and now he's being homeschooled and he's happy. But then he says, just like my dead mom used to do. So, what do you mean? So you were homeschooled before and you're homeschooled now, nothing has changed. What do you mean you're happy now? <laughs> As if there was, unless the situation was that mom died and dad was like, well, I guess you're just going to public school for a while because I can't, I can't take off work to homeschool you, so. But they don't say that. Yeah. He just says, I'm happy because I'm being homeschooled now. Just like I was homeschooled before, which doesn't make any sense. So, homeless Paul goes to his parents' house. Again, has not called them, apparently. They're still on vacation. He either does not have a key to this house anymore, or they have changed the locks on him. They've definitely changed the garage code, because he tries to go in the garage, and the code doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So that's how bad the rift between him and his parents are, is that they have changed the locks and changed the codes and have not told them to him. And went on vacation and did not tell him. So, can't say there. But then just call them. Call them. You have a cell phone. Call them and say, hey, what's the new garage code? <laughs> like, can I get in our house, please? Even if you don't want to say, like, I'm ready to come home permanently now, which is where he winds up at. But even if it's just, I need to get, I need to come in the house. Can you tell me the garage code? But he won't. He doesn't call them. <laughs> I guess he's trying to be a man. And then, yeah, my next note is, wait, it's Christmas again? Because he comes... <laughs> There's like this little, I guess this little, this room that's supposed to, I guess is the band practice area or whatever, where one guy was playing keyboard sloppily and one guy was maybe playing guitar and he was playing drums sloppily. But Catherine, or Kathleen? Kathleen. Kathleen, who plays the violin, kind of, (laughs) has kind of got invited into the band, kind of to replace him because he like fucked off and wasn't their drummer anymore because Melanie had him running all over the place partying all the time. But he comes to that sort of practice space or what, which is just this little room, but he comes in there on campus to, he's going to practice drums and Kathleen's in there, yeah, putting up this Christmas tree again. <laughs> it's like, hold on a second, it was just Christmas Eve, what feels like a week ago. But I guess not. And she's being cutesy, she puts an ornament on him, it's like, huh, you look like a Christmas tree now. I think like a child. And then his stomach growls like super loud. (laughs) She's like, let's take you to lunch. So she takes him out to lunch. And again, I don't know if he's, if she's sweet on him or if they they are just friends or what, who knows. And we find out she was homeschooled too. (laughs) Every person he meets 
Except his delinquent girlfriend and her horrible druggy friends were all homeschooled. So every good person was homeschooled. If you weren't homeschooled, see the road you're on. That's the moral of the story, I guess. And then, so parents get back from vacation. We have like a quick, like a, again, a 10 second scene, if that, of the parents have pulled the car in the garage. They're unpacking from their vacation. And the mom, like, like the psychic mom in his other movie, like Obi-Wan Kenobi, looks up and goes, something's different. <laughs> and dad's like, what do you mean? She's like, I don't know. Just something's different. Something with Paul, maybe. <laughs> like, at the end of scene. So she just, her spy, her mommy sense, has, her son has come around to his way of thinking distantly. I guess her weird psychic abilities. Because he's the prodigal son. Get it, everybody? <laughs> I don't know if you missed it, the, missed it any of these other times here, but that's what's happening. So he's driving. He's supposed at one point he's sitting in his car with Lady the dog and a guy walks up and he's like, Hey man, you looked really hungry, so I brought you a sandwich. There's three different scenes that are clearly supposed to take place on three different days, and he's wearing the same shirt. <laughs> Which could be because he's homeless and all his clothes are in a box somewhere. Or but also the lighting's always the same. So my my suspicion is that they just filmed all three of those scenes back to back to back with him sitting in the car. In the same span of five minutes scene i had to write down because it it just makes no sense the dude walks up to his window like he's been sitting in his car this dude walks up and he's like hey i was over there and you looked really hungry like you were way over there and you saw a dude park in his car sitting with his dog and you could tell he was hungry and you just happen to have a wrapped sandwich for him <laughs> as well <laughs> no i could yeah i could see if it's like you're walking by and there's a guy who, you know, looks like a homeless guy. Maybe he doesn't look so clean. He's sitting on a bench. He's, you know. Then I could see, like, oh, I'm going to bring that guy a sandwich because he yeah. looks hungry. But just a random young man sitting in a car with his dog? <laughs> you assume he's starving to death? Maybe, maybe he looked like he was going to eat the dog. I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> maybe. But, yeah, he's he's talking to the dog. He's like, hey, we're going to go help Kathleen over at the homeless shelter because she volunteers at the homeless shelter. Technically, I know we're homeless too, but that's, you know. And then he gets a call from Melanie, who's like, hey, come over. I need you. Have they broken up or not? I don't know. I assumed yes, but, you know, she keeps pulling them back in. And he says, he's or, like, no, I got, says, I got someplace to go. And then she says, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so he rushes over to her, and we see her hang up the phone, and she's just sitting with all her party friends, having another quiet, subdued party. And she's like, oh, God, I got him. He's on his way. So this... Girl, here's the point where if you weren't turned against Melanie before, here's the time, here's where you should be because that's a ludicrous thing to do. Don't joke yeah. around with that. So he shows up at the house. He sees that she is fine. She's just hanging out with Michael, <laughs> her two abortion daddy. You know, she's like, oh, I, you know, I've missed you. We, you know, we were all here together last Christmas or whatever, and it's nice. And he's like, well, this isn't funny. You called me. You told me like there's nothing wrong with you. You said you were. And they're like, just come in and relax and have a drink. And here's what you were talking about, his big dramatic. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And he, yeah, he's like, oh, it would just be like, that's what life should be, right? Just forget everything and just come in and have a drink and have some fun, right? Life shouldn't be like this. And he throws, I think what happened is, I think he threw this bottle harder than he meant to. And some glass hit him for real. Because the face he makes cannot be him acting. Mm -hmm. because A, he, he doesn't have it in him. B, it's the wrong face to have for angry. Because, yeah, but he whips this bottle against the wall and then kind of like grimaces back like, oh, fuck. 
ow. <laughs> like, it looks like he hit himself with some glass. And then he's, as he storms, he's like, life shouldn't be like this. And as he storms off, he goes, Jesus is the way. <laughs> Jesus is the only way. And storms off. And then what happens is we see the procession of all, like nine people of these friends all come in a line out this front door to see him, watch him drive away. And Michael's like chasing him down the road. Like, for what? What are you, <laughs> what were you going to do if you caught him? Number one. I don't know. It's bonkers. <laughs> you had something to say about that? It sounded like no. That was it. I just, I just love that spaz out. Jesus is the way. As he like <laughs> rounds the corner of the building. Yeah, it's like the, I need to read my Bible. <laughs> Jesus is the only one. <laughs> vandalizes, and throws glass bottles around. Oh boy. Yeah, and then he, and that's. I mean, there's one kind of one scene. I guess it's probably three, ten minutes, ten second scenes. But left, he's he's playing the drums while. Kathleen is playing the uh, violin, supposedly, for the homeless. So they're not actually like feeding the homeless. They're like at the homeless shelter where other people are feeding them. They're like just playing Christmas music, which I guess is, that's nice too. That's fine. But don't make it sound like you're serving them soup or something. It's a different thing. And then he calls mom and is like, Mom, I'm ready to come home. Or she says, I've been praying for you. And he says, your prayers worked. When? <laughs> no, they didn't. She was praying for you, and what happened? You lost your job, you lost your house, your girlfriend, <laughs> you got cucked by your friend, your girlfriend got knocked up, had an abortion, your other friend's mom got cancer and moved out of, <laughs> moved away, you met a kid with a dead mom and a dead dog, her prayers have actively harmed you, if anything. <laughs> and that's the movie. That's <laughs> Josiah David Warren's Only One Way. Well, and I was just saying, like, these poor homeless people that have sit there through their dinner listening to drums and violin yes only entertainment only drums and violin both played at best with mediocrity <laughs> oh man i am glad to be done talking about that <laughs> but we have fun with it we have fun with these incredibly stupid movies yeah i I do honestly hope that this is our last of his because I can't take the I can't take the editing anymore. I cannot imagine <laughs> I can't imagine statistically speaking what the odds were of us getting a second movie from him. A third is <laughs> astronomical. I can't imagine what the math on that would be. Yeah. So Yeah, you say that, but three weeks from now you're gonna be like, Hey, I got another B C fourteen movie. <laughs> I'm pulling you back in. <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> Here, here's the promise I will make because I also don't want to. It's not my mission in life to pick on this Jose, Jose David Warren, who, like I said, I'm sure is a nice man with a lovely family. And I don't want him to think I'm on some crusade against him because I'm really not. So I will make this promise right now. And on last week's episode uh, with Valerie, she asked if there was a movie, if it came up randomly, that I would, I would say, no, I'm not doing that. And I said, the only thing I could think of was the Snyder Cut just because that's not a discourse I want to enter into in any way. Because rest in peace, my mentions for eternity. <laughs> if I dare talk shit about the fucking Snyder Cut. So that's maybe the one where I would say, nope, I'm going to pretend I didn't see that and spin it again. I will make a promise right now, though. If, by some insane chance, I randomly get another Josiah David Warren movie, I will pretend I didn't and pick something else. <laughs> All, and the same goes for Mr. BC14, director of Bigfoot versus the Illuminati. Either of those two directors, I will not 
touch again. <laughs> this one because I don't, I honestly don't want to pick on him anymore. <laughs> and BC14 because I am not going to give him the time of day anymore or watch any more of his work. So, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Any final thoughts on <laughs> Only One Way? Just the, I mean, just how glaring it was that nothing changed from one movie to the other. I mean, writing-wise, directing-wise, editing-wise, acting-wise, they were the exact same level of quality throughout both films. Mm -hmm. And having watched another one of his films, I can say that is on par with these. So uh, <laughs> his, he's not figured out his learning curve yet. Because <laughs> there's auteurs, you know, there's auteurs you can watch, you know, get better and better as they go. <laughs> he's, he's consistent, we'll give him that. He's found his level and that's where he's going to stay. Enough of that. It is that time, speaking of, of the episode to press the magic button to see what next week's movie chosen completely at random will be pressing the magic button now next week's movie is called the driftless area sounds dirty but i don't think it is it's on tubi um it seems just like some kind of drama okay well, hold on though hold on though hold on though this is a hell of a cast here zoe deschanel anton yelkin um what's his name hawks john hawks Aubrey Plaza, Ali Shock, Aaliyah Shawkat, Karen Hines, Frank Langella. Wow. Okay, this might be a real, honest to God movie. <laughs> I don't know why it's on Tubi, but that's a hell of a cast for a movie I've never heard of. From let's see, Driftless Area on Tubi. It is from 2015. Yeah, that's next week's movie. Yeah, on the cast alone, I'm 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 very intrigued. So yeah. we will see how that goes. Uh, where can people find the both of you? Should they choose to find you? We'll start with you, Shannon. Um, pretty much uh, on Instagram, I'm Gilded, Gilded Griffin. And on YouTube, I'm Tonks1989. And I am uh, Twitter. I'm at nerd underscore shirts. Uh, Instagram, I am Project, Project Nerd Shirt. And uh, I am, as you have mentioned a couple of times, I am now on Slasher. Uh, Billy Loomis. Oh shoot! What is it? Billy Loomis zero two zero nine. Something like that. You're on Slasher too now. Yeah. No, I keep forgetting about Slasher. I'm also on Slasher. Uh, I'm Gilded Griffin on there as well. Okay. And I am, as always, at Heath Lambert seventy eight on Twitter. The show is that so random p two. The show has an email address that's so random pod at gmail dot com. Write to me whatever you want to talk about if you are. Josiah David Ward, and you wish to chew me new asshole or save my soul. Uh, either way, you can you can write to me too. I'll, I'll converse. Artwork for the show by Joe Humphrey, who is at Mr. Joe Humphrey on Twitter and Slasher, probably Instagram too. We're gonna call that good. Two we got two hours out of this thing, so yeah. I just, I can't believe uh, I have three pages of notes on that. Just, <laughs> it's a lot. Don't anyway. forget to homeschool your kids and buckle in your dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's I, there's no better way to end it than that. Goodbye, everybody. See you next week. <laughs>